0: Well, we're in the busy former docks region of the East End this week. And the big question must surely be, what connects fake pirate ships, alcoholic confectionery, fire eaters and finger food, and a small boy nearly being mauled by a tiger? It's Thursday the 7th of August 2014. I'm Anne Quentin Wolfe, and this is Londonist Out Loud.
1: Hey, baby, let me take you down So we'll play some strange sights And the sound You ain't never seen the light before Just a song
2: through
3: from your front door
2: Hey, baby,
0: Hello, hello, from a windy tobacco dock. It's Londonist Out Loud, and the smell of food should be drifting out through your audio device at this very moment. With me on Tobacco Dock is Ben Norham, the food editor for Londonist. Hi, Ben. Hi there. Now... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we've got to get this out of the way and uh, I know Ben's looking forward to this as a food editor. A potted history of tobacco dock, if you please, for the listener who is unaware of this uh, corner of the East End.
4: Of course, it's my not my special subject, but it is a, a building that was built around 1811 um, originally used to store imported tobacco. Um, I think it, when it stopped being used for that, it lay dormant for a long time. In 1990 there were plans to try and make it into the Covent Garden of the East, which didn't work hence you have not known it as that and then in about the mid-2000s it became a an event venue hence we're here now for a food festival which is much more my area of expertise i think that was
0: pretty smooth <laughs> <laughs> i'm not so sure <laughs> if somebody hasn't been down here we could perhaps give a description of the place it's quite unusual and not least because of the masted ships that are towering over us
4: Yes, it's called Tobacco Dock, and it does look like the, uh, exactly what you'd imagine when you think of a, an old dock where where pirates might be involved. And I think there are pirate ships round about. Um, ship behind us has a has a, a, a bust on the front, looking like she's asking for some food herself. It's yeah, it's got a good
0: good energy to it. But these aren't the real deal, I gather. I think probably not i'm not sure in honesty i'm surprised this hasn't come into your brief as food expert so the event we're here for today is already drawing quite a crowd it is lunchtime and there's plenty of people turning up what are they here for
4: they're here for feast which is in my opinion one of london's most interesting food festivals and it's certainly one of the most popular it's been around for a number of years now and this latest incarnation is its biggest yet it's here taking over the whole tobacco dock for a long weekend. There's food, drink, expert masterclasses, lots of producers selling their, their wares that they've made in small-scale production in London.
0: Um, it's just a celebration of food and drink, really. And we're standing in front of an enormous blackboard which lists the vendors, I suppose. Yeah. And, well, a great selection of names here. Penkel and Banks, Mama Jerks, Happy Makey or Happy
3: Mackie,
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> Liquor Some of these sound indecent.
4: Yeah, well, Liquor are alcoholic ice lollies, so... Indecent in their own way,
0: the marshmallowists, the Frenchy. Are we sure this is a food festival? <laughs> I, I can't guarantee anything until we get inside. I'm afraid. <laughs> right. Well, that's all the invitation I need. What's the uh, the plan of campaign here?
4: So we're going to go round and talk to a number of different producers. We've we've got a little selection lined up that sort of shows the the range of skills on offer. Uh, I think we're starting with a bit of a restaurateur from from Kensington, Dirty Bones, and going to move through street food to
0: a bar to guys who make alcoholic sweets in their bedrooms. Okay, that sounds good to me. Let's head indoors. And I should say, as we head inside, we are accompanied by members of the Londonist team. We are very proud to be media partners of the Feast Festival, and we're making ourselves known in the brand new All Singing, All Dancing Londonist t-shirts. Well, some of us are. Some of us discovered that an XXXL is not yet available. And so is in his normal civilian clothes. And we've got what looks like a rather scientific bar there. Some of the drinks seem to be electrified. We might come back to them. The breakfast club off to our left. And into tobacco proper. Well, strangely, the first thing one encounters here... Is a face painting table, and I don't think that's going to work on radio. You don't want your face painted, do you? No. No, okay, no. so we'll, we'll forgo that. So, but, hey, just my makeup. <laughs> the food fragrances are absolutely overwhelming, and of course, there's the biggest mix you can possibly think of. We're the, the delicious smells of Jubo just there. I think we might head back and have a chat with them. A sign advertising black paella, black paella on that store. Now, the last time I was here was for a secret cinema production, I think, of the Red Shoes, and the place had been turned into sort of a shopping arcade uh, come centre from around about wartime, I guess. Dancing classes were available and uh, people playing the piano and so forth. Uh, it was very dark and moody. The atmosphere now, though, is uh, as bright and summery as you could wish for. Is this somewhere that you find yourself very often, or is this a, a first visit for you? I've been here a few times. there have been a couple of other food-related
4: events and a, a wine fair here as well, which I've attended. Um, it's very different each time, I think, because it's a venue that's quite good at taking on the atmosphere of what's, what's here. So this is,
0: this is very lively indeed. I'm enjoying it. And Plenty of pints of beer. What are we, about uh, 12.30 or 1 o'clock or so? Oh, yeah, a bit of a clock, really, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> now, where are, you, uh, where are you leading us? We're being pointed towards a stall with a stripy blue and white awning. doing a brisk trade, by the looks of it. So we are at uh, Dirty Bones, which is a fantastic Indeed. name for a stall. Um, who, sir, are you?
2: I'm Ross, uh, so I work for the group as a creative development chef.
0: Ah, right, OK. Uh,
2: title sort of a made-up one that I fabricated, but it's good. It's good
0: <laughs> uh, you're looking very clean. You're obviously not working hard enough at this point in the we day. Are,
2: no, it's just uh, the last day. I think we've got it down to a tee now. So.
0: so the team having a good dance while they're Always dancing. Cooking. What's the the overall aim of the festival for you? Is it about outreach? Is it simply about selling? Is it about trying new stuff?
2: Uh, yeah, we're, we're in new concepts. I mean, we're not even a year old yet. So for us, it's been a case of, like, get here, show our face, dance... Make ourselves known, and then also to promote like we have like our Sunday night sessions and things like this that we're doing a lot of. So it's like getting our name out there, getting people down to our sort of see our DJs and our live music and enjoy the food. So yeah.
0: So the the concept is about uh, what sort of a liveliness and yeah, bringing a bit of spirit, uh,
2: good vibes and high fives. That's what we always like. Everyone's in there to have a good time, loads of dirty food. That's sort of our modern twist on it as well. So a lot of the boys come from a fine dining background at like Michelin level as well. And so we're using a lot of modern techniques to bring sort of very standard American food and sort of bring it all the way up to our sort of standard.
0: Would it be revealing trade secrets to go into a bit of detail there?
2: No, I mean like the wings we're selling here today, we cover them in uh, rice vinegar first which breaks down the proteins in the skin and it means that when we fry them they puff up more and then we we brine them in a salt solution, and then they get put into Coca-Cola, chicken stock, thyme, rosemary and garlic, and then we water bath them. And that gets cooked for six hours in a water bath. And then we take them out, dry them in a fridge using air drying. So you put them in a fridge, it draws the moisture off the skin. And then uh, we fry them and grill them into a lemon, uh, like a Chinese lemon glaze type thing. So it's really, really fresh. They're like sticky, it's good.
0: That sounds appetising, but also uh, it's got a whiff of the tail about it.
2: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It's uh, that sort of instilled in you once you've been there a while. It's sort of part of the way you think, so... Yeah, there's a, there's an
0: edge to it, I guess. You've you've been connected with his uh, restaurant.
2: Uh, yeah, I used to work at the experimental kitchen, so uh, yeah, I did that. Um, it was, it was an amazing experience, absolutely mind blowing. Just things you get to see there you never see anywhere else. So it's just
0: phenomenal. And, and was that? Um, and I, I don't want to dwell too much on what he's, he's doing perfectly well for himself. Yeah. Um, but was that sort of the spearhead of a new way of thinking about food, or was that very much a one off?
2: Uh, no, it's, he's he redeveloped the food like in my eyes like he's the one that's driven it and made everything what it is today like the way people think about even cheap products and making them as good as they can be uh, and the, the ethos of every dish like has to taste amazing before you mess around with it so you get a basis and then you move on and see if you can do anything better from there but it's got to taste good in the first place everyone thinks he's the mad scientist but he's a uh, he's very smart very smart guy so but I mean like with Dirt Spin and things like that we have the same sort of thing like we have pots of smoke and things like this going on using the water bars but we wouldn't do it unless it was amazing it tastes amazing first mm.
0: well uh, two questions about location i suppose the uh, most obvious one is that you're kensington based i think yeah um, and this is a far cry from kensington yeah, um, how have you found the uh, crowd do they do they differ from your usual clientele
2: no i mean for us, there, I mean, we. it's a hot dog on a silver platter, is basically where we're going with it. So it's a hot dog with cutlery, a hot dog with silver platter. We have an amazing sea bass dish with whole sea bass. I mean, people love that. Anyone loves that. So we brought a little bit of east to the west and then made it very west, I think. So, I mean, everyone loves it and everyone travels in to sort of come and eat it. A lot of Americans, a lot of Americans come and try and like amaze. At, how good we get to like English guys are cooking their food so that's
0: always interesting and and what about the practicalities because the sort of processes you described there sound quite in-depth and like you'd need a a, quite a stable environment Uh, clearly there's a lot of throughput going on here you're in a a, sort of a makeshift premises how easy is it to translate the mode of production
2: that's the the main thing that concept builds behind this and the way the food is built is we want consistency everything we do is about consistency water baths all this sort of new cooking techniques are about consistency so the idea being that all the the bit where you can overcook and mess up is done you've done that in your own time when there's no service pressures so it's the same here we've done all of this like overnight it's been cooking time is wrong temperatures are set to like 0.1 of a degree and it's cooked and when we bring it here we're just finishing
0: Ah, so this is like all the advantages of a microwave pre prepared idea. Yeah,
2: yeah so we, I mean, we have like five water bus running overnight every night that keep going and new things in there, new developments going on, so that's what we do at the moment. So.
0: I know you need to get back to your team who are busy cooking away. Yeah, right.
2: look, look at them. <laughs> Beautiful bearded bunch that
0: they are. There is a lot of facial hair. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know we're at maximum beard?
2: Yeah, maximum beard. Yes. It's the quickest you can actually go, is maximum beard. <laughs>
0: If there was a particular dish you could point us towards, which one would it be? It's all good. I
2: mean, our hot dogs are amazing, we have a really, really great hot dog recipe. The bun is our recipe. The dog is our recipe, and then all the garnish that goes on top is looks very simple, but it's like the guacamole. on the Mexican, for example, is guacamole, which has been it's got Tabasco in it, smoked chilies. The sour cream has been hung with lime, lime zest for two days, and then it gets uh, drawn back through and like a uh, fine sieve, so it's very smooth the pulled pork is cooked for it's frying for two days cooked for two days and then pulled and put in our marshmallow and bourbon barbecue sauce which is pretty banging and then uh, served in a brioche with one of our homemade hot dogs
0: ben i don't know about you but my taste buds are standing on end yeah mine too i'm rather hungry now with your knowledge of the food scene in london generally clearly a new thing is being tried here how new and how unique is it in your view
4: I think it is pretty new and unique, I think it's taking something that's been a bit of a trend for a little while, um, the sort of burger craze, hot dog craze, dirty foods craze, and taking that and applying the more Michelin level of cooking, the, the experimental style that you get at typically more
0: expensive and more fine dining style
4: restaurants to that food. So no, I think it's really interesting.
0: Well, the crowd is building and... stop dancing as well? Yes, I do. Is that, a, is that a warning sign? No, no, it's just a
2: sign of maybe they're a little bit tired or the chef steps out of the kitchen so they're not going to dance. When do you have to keep going to? Uh, it's four o'clock today, so we've done... Yeah, every day has been sort of 16-hour days so far. It's quite long because you have to bring the food, prep the food again, everything washing up. Yeah, it's been
0: a long one, but... They're good. They're good boys. You're looking fresh on it, if I must uh, say, as are the team. Good, oh, good. Well, thanks kids. a lot. Thanks
3: so for taking the time.
0: Well, he was a nice fellow, wasn't he? Yeah, I thought chefs were supposed to be terrifying, aggressive sort. So did I. What happened there? What went wrong? Oh, something wrong. Maybe he's an imposter. <laughs> well, we're heading down one of the galleries now, past the strange birdcage structures that we can see down on the floor below, and we're passing. Uh, we're passing a bar here wine's going on over there spicy island pulled pork fat bear where are we headed next i think we're going to give jubo a visit next Mm, sounds good and now that was uh, we passed them earlier didn't we yes
4: yes korean street food korean street food exactly they're based in shoreditch um and they're here today serving korean style chicken wings which apparently been one of the most popular dishes so far
0: um and other things as well i'm sure around the corner we go we've got venezuelan food here uh, without looking at the pictures, what sort of food would you expect to find in Venezuela?
4: Oh, uh, I don't know, actually. Is it, um, am I thinking vaguely Mexican? Am I, am I correct there?
0: Does it look vaguely, uh, a reaper, of course, and uh, uh, cuasa, looks a like guasasaca yeah. sauce. Beef, pork, chicken, and cheddar, ch- cheddar cheese? <laughs> I'm not sure about. That. I wasn't expecting that. I had,
4: like, a really odd sort
0: I think we could have got through quite a few foodstuffs on our list before we used cheddar cheese. <laughs> Uh, Maybe it's fusion. black, <laughs> past the black paella stuff. We, we've got information on the black paella. It is paella with squid ink injective, so that it's black in colour. And I asked uh, our taster what it tasted like, and he said paella. I think that probably sounds quite likely. The
4: squid ink adds a lot of colour, but not so much flavour, although a bit of fishiness, I guess.
0: Uh, so we're at Jubo now. Now there's a, a long line of people looking at uh, the food at Jubo, and we can see... Things being fried. Well, here we are at Jubo. The name of the game at Jubo seems to be half of the team working, half of the team milling.
3: Well, it's now Sunday. Uh, the fruits of the label were really sown uh, on uh, Friday and Saturday and Sunday. We're just allowed to kick back a little bit, let the staff run the show and uh, enjoy a bit
5: of the
0: festivities. Now one of the first things that I notice here is that there is, there's much less beard going on on your stall than some of the others we've visited. And a lot of fried stuff happening here. What kind of food are you serving us?
3: We're featuring Korean fried chicken, which is twice fried um, wings and strips. It's a lot more crunchy than any other fried chicken you'll find anywhere else. And our queue at the moment will uh, stand testament to that. Yes,
0: you're, you're bringing in quite a crowd. I've even heard it said that this has been one of the most popular foodstuffs mm. in the festival. And of course you're going to agree. Well,
3: we, we can't. Uh, our customers have uh, been very, very supportive. And um, hopefully we'll have won a few more over over the course of the week. Now, where are you uh, based ordinarily? We're based in Shoreditch in Rivington Street. Uh, so we've got an arrangement with the bedroom bar there, which is a something of an institution on uh, Rivington Street. We've been there for one year and we're there for at least another two. In the meantime, we're also looking for another site in London.
0: And what sort of crowd do you get at your present place?
3: All sorts, really, um, ranging from students to young professionals. You get the business crowd from the city, and uh, a good mix of um, Asians and Europeans.
0: So is this a lunch break type food, or is this on the way home from the club? or?
3: Definitely a, a night venue, and we, we stay up open till 11 We've got a, a new lunch box that we've also packaged up for the lunch trade, but no, we're, we're working towards being an all-day venue, but at the moment, it's more night-based.
0: Night mm, that's interesting. Okay, because as soon as you make that shift, you've got to start thinking about split shifts and all that, jazz, haven't you?
3: Absolutely. We've got 11 staff at the moment and uh, always looking for more, but as a lot of business owners will tell you, staff are uh, your most, most important asset, but also quite a uh, complex one to manage.
0: If I'm reading you right, you are indeed in a, a managerial role in all of this, are you?
3: I am. Um, I am an owner, along with my business partner, Leon and, and Diego. There's the three musketeers, really, of Jubo, and we try and uh, try and steer the ship in the right direction.
0: Can we talk about the origins of your journey, and how, how did it all come yeah,
3: about? Certainly we, uh, we met together at a business school in France three years ago, and we all came out with an MBA. And, and at the, on the other side of it, we decided not to uh, go down the corporate route. And we saw what we thought was an opportunity in the market for Korean food. Uh, not in the traditional sense as far as a barbecue, uh, authentic type experience, but something really featuring around um, around chicken, which is what we're doing.
0: Because that, that's what everybody thinks of uh, when they think of Korean food, isn't it? The small platter and the barbecue by your table.
3: Exactly, and a, and, a, and, a, and a fry your own meat and all that sort of thing. But we've let the experts deal with that, and we're, we're focusing on something that's more accessible to, we think, a, a broader um, clients and, and, and market.
0: What's it been like getting underway in the current economic environment?
3: No, it is challenging. We're finding there's no shortage of staff, but we can actually find staff very, very easy. Um, but fighting for, 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 for customers and fighting to bring people to your restaurant is, um, I think, as challenging as it has ever been. We're very bullish about it, and we, we feel we can ride it through. and. Get somewhere on the other side I like some of
0: the terms you're using they're bullish and fighting and uh, very, very warlike
3: well it's a competitive market and, and we're all there to uh, to try and make a bit of a crust at the end of the day
0: yeah what do you do then I'm, I'm trying to imagine that uh, that level of assertiveness uh, finding <laughs> it's, are, you, are you sort of going into other fast food joints and kidnapping customers or?
3: Not, not quite at that point but no we've you, uh, thought about it we've always got our eyes open and uh, looking at, <laughs> at what uh, what else is on offer around the place and how we can make our offer more compelling. Could you share a trick? I couldn't possibly share no. a trick with you. Who knows who you're going to be talking to Well, next? that's true
0: enough. I'm going to be passing on to the next guy. <laughs> what would you steer us towards in terms of the front is it, is it one dish you're producing here? Are there no, no, variations? we've got a
3: range. We've got some we've got some short uh, beef ribs. We've got uh, some very nice uh, Berico pork pluma, which is selling well for us. But 50% of our business is our Korean fried chicken. And I would steer you towards the, uh, the hot uh, variety of it. I prefer the wing because I just think that the, the, the meat just handles the uh, frying process better than boneless. And it's also a little bit more engaging in how you eat it. Just get, 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 get in there and get messy and, uh, and enjoy it.
0: Mm. Okay, well, listen, I don't want to keep you. To, there's more milling to be done, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> thanks for taking the time.
3: Hey, thank you. Pleasure. Londonist Out Loud is sponsored by Audible. To claim your free audiobook from a range of 60,000 titles, try the Audible service on 30-day free trial. Audiobooks can be saved as MP3s and played on your compatible phone, tablet, or desktop, or burned to a CD, and they're yours to keep. For your free audiobook, go to www.audible.co.uk Londonist and click through.
0: You're listening to Londonist Out Loud. I'm in Quentin Wolf, and we're at the Feast Food Festival in Tobacco Dock, East London. Ahead of me in the crowd is Londonist food editor Ben Norham, who's stuffing his face with chicken wings. Uh, Seems to be appreciating them. I haven't really got a look in. There's a big pile of bones building up here.
4: They are very good. That's all I can say right now, because I'm
0: I'm busy. (laughs) We're heading downstairs. And one of the things that the stallholders have told us off-mic is that uh, whilst there's a good crowd here, apparently the last couple of days have been thronging. It's been impossible to... Squeeze your way through the crowd down onto a botanical cocktails and saucy British tapaf bar. Well, this is turning into a bit of a Londonist convention I 'm realizing. there was a Londonist office party the other day which didn't gather together half as many staff. The offer of food, I think, has brought everybody out of the woodwork. I'm going to attempt to coax Lindsay Clark, one of our most senior figures, out of her self-imposed silence) <laughs> Lindsay, you traditionally don't come uh, this side of the mic. Uh, we're at the Botanical Cocktails Bar. What's caught your eye?
1: I have some vegetarian tapas.
0: Yes, what have we got there? Beetroot?
1: Beetroot and thyme meatballs with mint and lemon sauce. Uh, and all sorts of delicious looking things, actually.
0: Honey, mustard, sausages and beetroot quinoa. Yeah, this does sound good. And uh, chocolate ganache tart with edible flour. Oh, edible flowers. Edible flowers
1: are good.
0: Well, that's uh, Lindsay's contribution to the podcast for this year sorted. Now, is this the same bar on both sides? No, the marshmallowists are on the other side. I have just tasted a little bit of heaven. We're, uh, we're behind the scenes at Christabel's, and uh, I've just tasted a Zinger, and that is one of the most refreshing things that's passed my lips in a, in a long time. Um, what are you trying there, Ben? Uh, I've got the Feast Flame. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Ginger beer,
4: lime, vodka... Really, yeah, really good, really refreshing. With us, I believe we have the
0: Christabel.
1: <laughs> Hi. Hello, how are you? And welcome. Yeah, we've had such a fantastic um, four days of feast, um, and it, it's the birth of our bar, so it, it was built the day we arrived, finished, the bolts were still going on. And um, it's just, we've had a really great reception and people have just loved kind of being involved in the creation of their cocktails. They can pick the herbs that they want to add um, into them. And then we've... um, had a lot of fun being creative and coming up with the syrups, and um, we've made our thyme, rosemary, ginger, um, and lemongrass syrup, which we add to all the cocktails. Um, and people have just uh, been, yeah, really, really loving it. now
0: you say that the bar has sort of started here. Do you mean that this is the first uh, it's, it's, iteration it, of Christmas? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's christening at feast. Yeah.
0: Mm. How good are people at combining flavours?
1: Um, do you know what? They're not actually that great. I had someone yesterday who, because we're doing a build your own, so you can sort of go step by step, and someone just uh, did a rosemary syrup and soda and vodka, and I said, like, actually, do you think maybe you want to add a bit of ginger or mix it up a bit? Um, so we've sort of tried to encourage when people build their own, just make you suggestions just to uh, take them on their way.
0: How do you go about making a syrup out of herbs?
1: Um, we, well, it is quite technical. Uh, process because you have to sort of boil it up, cool it, boil it up again, cool it, and it takes like sort of of maybe seven hours to like get it really infused and strong. And we do it three days before um, so that they kind of marinate and so the flavour is really intensified.
0: So you're making a cup of tea essentially?
1: Yeah, exactly. A cup of tea and a cocktail.
0: <laughs> now, what I'd like to know—I gather you've been going a few days here at the festival. Yeah, we have. Since so then, oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah. How come everybody looks so fresh?
1: I can't explain that i i i may look fresh but i'm absolutely exhausted
0: <laughs> everyone's putting on a very good front there.
1: yeah yeah but do you know what i think it's the spirit of it it's the sun like everyone's sort of it's just a great atmosphere it's buzzy and like people are drinking they're eating and like how can you not be happy with great food and cocktails
0: we can presume then that you've been on quite a sharp learning curve what have you been
1: learning Um, We have been learning. Well, we've learned that... um the names of our cocktails. We've got our flirt, which has been really popular because it's just sort of. We actually, interestingly, it was called a rose rock and roll, and when it was called that, it wasn't that popular. Now it's a flirt. It's literally been flying off the shelves. So I've learned that names are key, um, and just kind of like having fantastic bar staff as well. Like Minerva um, here is just so great, and great with people is so important, and uh, just quick and. Yeah, also having three girls behind a bar we were saying is, um, you're so used to having men mixologists and stuff, but I think that's also been maybe something a bit different with a botanical bar to have, yeah, so yeah.
0: (laughs) I was trying to get my head around because it looks as though you're offering two different sorts of product here, there's the cocktails but there's also tapa, what's the connection between them? Um,
1: so the tapas, we've got like thyme and beetroot tapas and I make a whole range of relishes. So um, that's with um, a yoghurt, cucumber, mint, lemon juice and garlic sauce. And the, the whole idea is, is that the tapas are meant to complement the cocktails and kind of uh, sort of play on your taste buds. Um, so that was the whole idea. And I, when I go to a bar, I don't necessarily want like a big meal. I quite want to like nibble a bit, but not a crisp or a nut. Um, so that so that was just my idea that we wanted to combine like delicious little bites with the cocktails to yeah
0: we, we don't have to name names but is there anyone uh, in the festival that you would regard as a direct competitor?
1: Uh, it, they're all really different actually um, the gin and tonic bar um, maybe slightly um, but their their stuff's delicious and they're just doing one thing so no I wouldn't I mean, I guess everyone selling alcohol, you're all competing. But um, we're all quite different, so it's been good in that sense. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm curious to know, because you, you and uh, Minerva have got fantastic, the unusual names. Uh, what about your third member of staff?
1: Sicily, Violet. I'm,
0: I'm, not, I'm not disappointed. Sicily,
1: Violet, yeah.
0: Final question, I suppose. How do you know that this weekend has been a success? And you're already giving a, a vibe that it has been. But um, what's successful? Do
1: you know what I the whole success of it is the reception that we've had and like the bloggers and journalists who have been really interested and even the people like actually we've had several repeat customers like in the evenings especially who just come back for more and more and more cocktails which I guess is like a fantastic sign that they're good little concoctions um but, and also um, we've just been busy which has been great
0: yes that's the acid test yeah. isn't it
1: yeah 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 that's, that's the that's the bottom line I guess
0: and you've got uh, a few people waiting at the canter there so I'm going to let you get back to yeah, them yeah
1: we've got quite something in the audience Yes, uh, <laughs> the,
0: the flirt cocktail <laughs> has, has worked its magic magic. <laughs> these two people have never met each other before
1: yeah no no never met each other and having quite a good time in the queue <laughs>
0: I feel we ought to avert our eyes thanks, <laughs> thanks very much thank you well, clutching my delicious non-alcoholic cocktail from uh, Cresta Bells. We're heading back upstairs. We were on a mezzanine level halfway up the staircase there. Now we're back on the gallery and I'm following Ben through a crowd that seems uh, slightly thinned out perhaps. I would guess it must be two, half past two in the afternoon. It looks as though the lunch rush is calming a little bit still plenty of people around. Right? A raging fire on the griddle at Dirty Bones, I hope that's intentional. And we've, we've made an important uh, discovery. Ben, what have we found?
4: I think I've just found a, a statue of a boy with a tiger, which I read about on Wikipedia,
0: but missed on the way in. Yes, I've heard about this. I was going to be very sorry if we didn't see it. Well, I'm seeing a, a, a statue of a bear. Oh, there we go.
4: There he is, looking spectacular in his glory standing at a part of the show that doesn't have so many producers but that makes
0: it really doesn't it he's uh, yes defiantly standing in front of a tiger who's sitting on his hind legs one paw raised and uh, if we were down there we could read the inscription in front of it and find out what on earth that's all about we could do do you want to go down no too easy <laughs> we're looking for we, we found uh, i should say our, the the other two producers whom we intend to interview. One of them is absolutely chock-a-block at the moment, the Waffle Stall, and we're using the festival map to try and find our final producer, and they've disappeared. They're not where they should be, or we're not where we should be. And we're down the staircase into an area paved with large slate flags. Let's find out what this statue's all about. In the early years of the 19th century, it says... A full-grown Bengal tiger having just arrived at Jamrak's Emporium burst open his wooden transit box and quietly trotted down the road. Everybody scattered except an eight-year-old boy who, having never seen such a large cat, went up to it with the intent of stroking his nose. A tap of the great soft paw stunned the boy and, picking him up by his jacket, the tiger walked down a side alley. Mr Jamrak having discovered the empty box, came running up and thrusting his bare hands into the tiger's throat forced the beast to let his captive go. The little boy was unscathed and the subdued tiger was led back to his cage. In memory of jam racks, any money collected from the fountain will be donated to the World Wildlife Fund. I think they've made a basic mistake here because the, uh, the fountain seems to have been filled in with a uh, flower bed. I'm not sure about this as a fundraising exercise. You seen the bear. Oh right A bear and somebody has left a copy of a John Grisham novel for the bear to read. <laughs> over a hundred years ago oh but this is Jamrak again over a hundred years ago on what was then called Ratcliffe Highway. Near to this spot stood Jamrak's Emporium. This unique shop sold not only the most varied collection of curiosities but also traded in wild animals such as alligators, tigers, elephants, monkeys, and birds. Jamrak's was known to seafarers throughout the world who, when their ship docked in London, would bring artifacts from distant lands in the knowledge that Mr. Jamrak would be a willing purchaser. The animals were housed in iron cages and were well looked after until. They were bought by Zoological Institutes and Naturalist Collectors. Interesting. Should we go and eat some more? Yeah. (laughs) I feel like we've done our our duties to history. Ben, what's going on with our fifth producer? We seem to have lost them. Mr Sinclair. They are alcoholic
4: sweet producers. We are struggling to track them down, but I think we've just located them on the map.
0: Well, we're back upstairs again. It's proving to be quite the appropriate workout to get rid of some of that chicken.
4: I think we smaller follow our smell towards the chicken then go slightly to the right we might be there
5: i guess am i I asking
0: these questions uh we are we've found it basically the smith and sinclair uh, alcoholic sweetie stall or cocktail confectioners as i think they prefer to be known but it's alcoholic sweeties as far as i'm concerned mel hi hello what's going on on this uh, very modest store
5: so right now we've only got our mixed boxes for sale, which is six of our flavours. It's two whiskey, two gin and two rum cocktails. We've also got a special, we've teamed up with the Duffy Share Rum Company, who launched last month, and we're doing their signature, which is rum, lime, nutmeg and aromatic bitters.
0: How many times have you said that in your life?
5: About five million times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and to whom? Is it like everybody who crops up at the, uh, yeah, who rocks up at the store?
5: Yeah, we school? a lot of nans, a lot of nans, but a range of audiences, basically anyone we can sort of grab and harass, we sell to. Hmm.
0: Uh, there's a lot of branding going on here. You've got the, uh, the branded T-shirts, and the, uh, the table here is, uh, unlike most of the others that have got a stripy awning or all sorts of paraphernalia, this is a very neat sort of arrangement. We have a stack of uh, purple pastel boxes, and pastel boxes as well, and some uh, some of the small orange fellas here. Now, are you the originator of the company? or, yes. or? Yes. Ah, It's right.
5: me and a chef, Emile Bernard. He created the concept of the recipe, and he produces in a production kitchen. We make right now about 1,000 to 1,200 a day. We do everything ourselves, from making to packaging to sales to marketing. And it's just the two of us. We bring on freelance staff to help us with sales. We're right now at Secret Cinema as well. So we're tag-teaming our summer sales, basically.
0: So you've had a time of it?
5: I'm not sleeping.
0: And of course there's been this whole Secret Cinema debacle with cancelled and postponed shows and all that stuff, so that must have wrong-footed you as well, I presume?
5: It was only the first week and they did give the vendors a bit more notice than they did the audience, but the show is amazing. We've now been there a week and sales are booming and the audiences are lovely and it's a really key target market for us. We've actually had tons of people come to Feast who've also seen us at Secret Cinema, so knowing that we're getting that cross promotion is a really nice thing for us.
0: How does that fit into the Back to the Future show that is Secret Cinema is offering this year?
5: So we are having we're part of Hill Valley. We are all we own an alcoholic candy shop as part of Hill Valley and are walking around with our candy girl trays. Um, we are absolutely immersed in the show itself. People approach our sellers, our sellers can approach them. We've all got a character. I myself am Alma Whitaker.
0: Very important that we know the surname as well. Yes,
5: it is. Yeah. What,
0: what else do we know about Alma Whittaker
5: Not much. She's a resident, and she can be a transfer from England. She's she transferred as a student to the high school, but I'm out of university because obviously I'm over 21 because I'm selling alcohol.
0: Oh yeah, and all of that. Right? Yeah. You were saying Absolutely. obviously, yeah. So you've really worked out the backstory. That's kind of alarming. And, and so, can we have a look at the sweeties?
5: Absolutely. So, in our mixed boxes, we've got we've got a combination. We've got our gin elderflower, and it's coated in a thyme-infused sugar. We've got our berry daiquiri, which is in a pink and black peppercorn coating. Our whiskey can, and can amaretto. We, sorry,
0: can we linger on that one again? Pink and black peppercorn dress.
5: Yeah, so we do all our own sugar coatings from scratch. So we blend and dehydrate all the spices, fruits, sherbets, and mix it in with a certain acid and the sugar coatings to either give it that sour bite or the spice or the mellow floral consistency.
0: I don't know if this is cheeky. Is there any chance of tasting this pepper one? The, is is, that,
5: yeah, is that possible?
0: Yeah. Just, a lot of the flavours that we've been introduced to today i have sort of got a rough idea of how they might come out tasting, but the, uh, the combination of sweet and pepper, I really can't imagine.
5: It's a, kind of, it's a very common thing to do with drinks, cocktails. So we wanted to completely imitate the experience of drinking certain cocktails and the tones that and the flavours that happen in your mouth in sequence. So we deconstruct cocktails and put them. It's not like we're getting a cocktail mix and putting it into a sweet. Our berry daiquiri, for instance, is dark rum, grenadine and strawberry natural flavouring into the pastel. And then we dehydrate the mixed black and pink peppercorns blitz that into the sugar coating and then you get all the different levels of drinking a cocktail but in an edible way
0: I don't know if I've asked the wrong question here but uh, you're putting on Mel latex gloves and you've taken a knife out, I fear I may be in trouble
5: (laughs) this isn't Dexter just hygiene
0: we are bisecting one of the pastels now, thank you very much so this is the one that you just described
5: and this is my actual personal favourite my business partner's is the spring clean and that's a gin elderflower and thyme but mine's definitely the Buried acronym. and what we say is when you're eating it let it melt in the mouth while you're chewing because the rum is built into the gelatin itself so as the pastel digests you really get that rummy warmth in your mouth it's not like a drink which coats your mouth instantly it is different and obviously it totally takes a half an hour of a time delay to get the drunk on the go so they're Moorish. so you sort of have three, don't feel that tipsy yet, you have two more and then you can't drive.
0: I'm really glad we left you till the end of the broadcast. <laughs> That's absolutely delicious. I'm not going to attempt to do the, uh, the wine tasting vocabulary or anything like that. That's uh, simply very tasty and a very complex flavour gradually unfolding on the palate.
5: Good, I'm glad you like it.
0: Can you tell me a bit about the, uh, the process of putting these together? What sort of atmosphere is going on there with the two of you slaving over all of these pastels? <laughs>
5: it's a fun job it's definitely not boring at any point in the day we do have to make sure we take a lot of air breaks because obviously if you're doing sort of 10 different batches and you're standing over the fumes of the alcohol our chef has definitely been hung over by about 4pm so we make hang
0: on before that though you're drunk all day that's the problem
5: yeah but you can work through the drunk it's the hangover that's hard to get (laughs) past
0: you say it's a fun job it sounds like that could be the death of kind of creative spirit sort of this industrial side well
5: you're basically a big kid we're selling sweets to adults I mean it puts a smile on everyone's face by no means are we marketing this as a healthy product but it definitely if something's going to be bad for you you might as well make sure it tastes so good that it's worth it and that's sort of our whole company ethos we're really we're a young company we only started in january we have been snowballed into the alcohol industry we did within a month of launching twenty thousand for imbibe live so that was working out of church kitchens school kitchens basically wherever we could get enough space we're now in a proper production facility in swiss cottage which is awesome because we live in north london anyway Um, and it works really well for us we've got a packaging facility there i mean it is just the two of us but at least we have the space to not be doing it in our house
0: Right. And by the sounds of it, you could have potentially come unstuck with this, such rapid expansion earlier.
5: We could have, yeah. We had to overcome a lot of hurdles. We um, were really aware of not producing too much too soon and not being able to keep up with demand. So we've always held back and now we're launching into Harvey Nichols in September and our growth has been organic. We've just made sure that the markets we hit are exactly our right target audience and are, we'll only ever take on enough orders that if we need more chefs, we still have the capacity to do that. We're not overproducing and we're not overselling
0: who do you see then uh, and we've got a, a perfect opportunity to cast our eyes around a, a great variety of different food here who do you see as being natural allies or on the same sort of palate as your produce
5: um, I guess you would see it as a post coffee treat instead of a chocolate in essence or even an aperitif as you'd have a cocktail before a meal you might now have an edible cocktail Um, In the drinks industry, we love White Lion bars, we love the experimental nature of what they do and the creativity that they absolutely sweat out and emanate. They're a unique bar in Hoxton, it's Ryan Chetty who's the owner and front man of the company and they produce everything from scratch down to the spirits, there are no ice, no slice bar and we love what they do, we like to work with them at a lot of events. Um, in terms of food i guess we would be considered a confectionery product but because we're so different from chocolate liqueurs and we're really trying to educate people on the difference between what we're doing and chocolate liqueurs we would never want to say that they're an ally
0: i can see you've had a steady stream of custom the whole time we've uh, been here so i know you don't want to be too far away from saying your sentence again yeah. and again
5: it's okay i've got two members of staff today friends friends are good good staff members
0: uh, well, I noticed one of them is not wearing a T-shirt. This is this sort of a, a, a rebel staff member?
5: No, this isn't. He's he's not a, gone awry from the company. We just didn't have one <laughs> spare today.
0: We, I've had exactly the same problem with my lover. Like
5: I, I think the guy yesterday sweated in his too much, so it was a busy day yesterday. Oh, that's not what you want on well, a food
0: I'm gonna, festival well, I'm going to put it
5: on this guy today. We'll let him wear something fresh.
0: <laughs> Alma Stroke Mel, thanks very much.
5: <laughs> Thank you.
3: Londonist Out Loud is available free as a stream at londonist.com or a weekly download via iTunes. Hit us up on Facebook at Londonist Out Loud, tweet at Londonist Sound, and check out images of our guests via the Londonist Out Loud stream on Instagram. Well, off mic, (laughs) we've just been discovering
0: uh, a lot more about Mel and her media. Interactions, And it, it sounds as though the sweaty T-shirt thing, which she was a bit worried about having said, was the, uh, the most minor of a series of media indiscretions she's committed today. One of them involving Rehypno. But I'm going to say no more than that. We were hoping to get one final producer in on the podcast. And uh, we're at their stall now. It's waffle on. And if you could see the expressions on the faces of the Waffle On staff, then you'd know that they're not to be waffled with at this point in time. They have a queue stretching three times around the building. They're producing away. Very, very popular, but very, very busy. And frankly, no chance they're going to be able to talk to us.
4: Yeah, no, they are well and truly in demand here. I think it's dessert time at Tobacco Dock, and everyone's running to Waffle On. They do savoury as well, so who knows? Maybe it's some people are still waking up and getting their,
0: their morning fix, but... Yeah, no, I would say I can understand why they've got the queue here. Slow-roasted duck waffles with fresh plum sauce, dry-cure bacon with Canadian maple syrup. That sounds absolutely delicious. Do you want to join the queue? Yeah, it's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> we're standing outside a fire-eating tent, and there's a chap with a twirled moustache and muscled biceps and a top hat who looks like he's about to start, and we're in his way, so the, uh, the queue for the waffles is looking good. So we're, we're going to tie off here at Tobacco Dock from the feast festival what's been your impression of the festival overall Ben
4: I have thoroughly enjoyed it I think I've been to a few festivals and food festivals I should say and the atmosphere here really is second to none in the, the building with the, the sun shining outside everyone sitting around enjoying a, a cocktail or a pint or two and just browsing the stalls. it's really nice day out I'd say not just a festival mm. I think Feast run shows at least annually they do others as well um, so it's one to look out for they've been around for a few years now and I'm sure they'll be announcing more soon um, and lots of other street food events around London as well of course Feast isn't the only one there are plenty of things going on at the moment and they're definitely a good event good, good to go to
0: well I've certainly enjoyed myself and uh, we are going to attempt to bag ourselves some food before the best of it is sold out so from the Feast Festival here at Tobacco Dock, Ben Norham thanks very much you're welcome thank you And that's all for this week. My thanks for this week to Ben Noran Ross Clark, Christabel Beeson, Lindsay Clark, Lyle Schwass and Mel Goldsmith. Thanks to, to Mark Barr and Bernie Barkley. Theme and incidental music was by Songs from the Howling Sea. I'm in Quentin Wolfe.